time, because it was not a huge leap from what was already known. All creative people, even ones who are considered geniuses, start as non-geniuses and take baby steps from there. Calculus truly changed the world, but it didn't change the world on the day it was discovered. During the past 300 years, calculus has been applied to mechanics, to the motion of the planets, to electricity and magnetism, to fluid flow, to biology, to economics, as well as to countless other areas. Calculus may hold a world's record for how far an idea can be pushed. Leibniz published the first paper on calculus. That paper appeared in 1684 and was six pages long. Newton and Leibniz would surely be astounded to learn that today's introductory calculus textbook contains over 1,300 pages. A calculus textbook introduces two fundamental ideas and the remaining 1,294 pages consist of examples, variations, and applications, all arising from following the consequences of just two fundamental ideas. Students might be amazed that their teachers know all 1,300 pages of that enormous tome filled with cryptic symbols. But their teachers don't really know 1,300 independent pages of isolated facts. The teachers see the material differently. They know the meaning of the basic ideas, and they know how one idea leads to another. Students who duplicate that perspective grasp the ideas of any subject better than those students who view each new week as an entirely new intellectual mountain to climb. As you are learning a topic, ask yourself what previous knowledge and what strategy of extending previous ideas make the new idea clear, intuitive, and a natural extension. Every subject is an ongoing journey of discovery and development. It is not just a laundry list of disconnected topic, 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 but a flow of ideas that build upon each other. By seeing and understanding that these ideas are connected, they become more interesting, more memorable, and more meaningful. Remember, if you can't get 100% on your last test, actual or metaphorical, then you're not ready for your next exam. A way to provoke effective thinking. Think back. Whenever you face an issue, whether an area of study or a decision about a future path, consider what came before. Wonder how the issue at hand landed in front of you. Ask where and what it was yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, etc. Everything and everyone has a history and evolves. Acknowledging that reality will allow you to generate new insights as well as create sensitive directions in which to move forward. Illustration. Penning the prequel. Juan finished reading a novel and was reflecting on it. That story took place during the Cold War. He decided to consider what happened before the Cold War heated up. That is, before the story unfolded in the pages of the book, where were those characters? What were their histories? How did those individuals evolve into the characters that come to life on the page? His answers helped him to explain certain dynamics and allowed him to better understand the actions and storylines. Of course, the bookend question, what comes next, that is, what transpired beyond the end of the book itself, is the next natural issue to contemplate. Guessing what's next anchors what's there. To better master a subject, after you have been introduced to a new concept, look beyond the new concept and just guess what you think will come next, in a text or in a lecture or in any presentation. Even if your conjecture is not right, it's still important. Being wrong allows you to better realize what is truly there and offers insights as to how the ideas might actually fit together. A few years ago, I, 
Berger, audited an art history class with a couple of undergraduate math majors. We never took notes and didn't have a course syllabus. During our walk to the lecture hall each class day, we got in the habit of guessing, just based on what we remembered from the previous class, what was to be the topic of the day's lecture. These discussions were a profound way to make the whole class more meaningful and more memorable. They caused us to thoughtfully review what was discussed in the last class, and also helped us to consciously frame the progression of artistic ideas, and to think of the subject as a whole rather than as a collection of disconnected artistic periods. Even when our guesses were completely off, they still helped us to view the previous material more fully by thinking how the earlier material might have looked in the middle of a stream of progress. Rather than in isolation, learning from mistaken guesses, let us see differences between what we expected and what actually arose, and thus changed our view of the issues. The whole subject became an interconnected web of ideas. As an aside, with just these conversations on the way to class, as well as active listening during lectures, but without reading the text, taking notes, or even attending the weekly conference sections, we actually passed the exams. A look back makes earlier material easier. Once you understand a more advanced topic, look back to see what brought you to where you are. That process will improve both your understanding of the earlier work and of the more advanced work. The earlier material will become easier, clearer, and more meaningful because you will see its significance through the later work that came from it. The more advanced work will also be easier since you will now see how it grew from the seeds that existed in the earlier work. We have seen that the most successful people regularly undertake this important reflective exercise. Remember trumpet virtuoso Tony Plog's challenge of playing a simple passage and making it sing. One small step. One of the most heartening realities of human thought is that all the new ideas we have are, in fact, only tiny variations of what has been thought before. If we look back on the history of inventions or evolution of ideas. It may appear that there were moments of lightning strike inspiration that led in totally new directions, but as we saw with the birth of calculus, essentially every important, brilliant idea can easily be seen to be the result of understanding what was already known and taking a small step to reveal the next idea, another variation on understanding simple things deeply. The difference between those who have great insights and those who don't is that the first group actually takes those baby steps. Students who embrace the mindset that better ideas are literally right next door, and that one more step, especially the small ones, will get me there, outperform those who believe that only the great minds make great progress. Taking these little steps can have tremendous implications to everything from writing papers and performing lab experiments to launching the next internet craze. Art, the progression of artistic periods over the centuries. Presents a dramatic picture of the evolution of aesthetic norms as reactions to the current artistic status quo. The impressionist movement was several steps away from the representational art that preceded it. It broke with the conventional wisdom that a painting should look like what we would describe as a photograph. Instead, impressionist painters, having mastered the established stylistic techniques of the day, aimed to take a step forward by creating the essence of a scene without offering a crystal clear picture of it. Thus, inviting the viewer to actively engage in and interpret the works. While today we look upon these paintings as some of the greatest works of art, when they were first shown in the salons of France, the public was appalled and actually offended. Those viewers didn't know how to interpret the revolutionary style, and so they simply panned the work. 
In fact, one reviewer, in his scathing review, wrote that these works were not even art, but rather merely impressions of the images depicted. That then-insulting moniker now defines one of the most important artistic periods. In thinking about the future, we must be conscious of the reality that the novelties that appear strange to us today will be familiar, natural, and perhaps even beautiful to the next generation and possibly even to us in the future. One of the challenges of life is to be open-minded about new ideas and new possibilities. It was difficult to accept Impressionism when art was assumed to be a method of representing how the world actually looks. Each of us has the challenge of seeing the Impressionism of our time as a valid, interesting, and important window into the world of tomorrow. 2. Creating new ideas from old ones When you learn a new concept or master a skill, think about what extensions, variations, and applications are possible. It's natural to think of a solution to a problem or a new idea you have learned as a time to party and rest on your laurels, as if you've arrived at the final chapter of some great story. In fact, a bed of laurels will never offer a satisfying rest, and a new idea or solution should always be viewed as a beginning. Effective students and creative innovators regularly strive to uncover the unintended consequences of a lesson learned or a new idea. The time to work on a problem is after you've solved it. R. H. Bing An Illuminating Illustration Thomas Edison was supremely successful at inventing product after product, exploiting the maxim that every new idea has utility beyond its original intent. For he wrote, I start where the last man left off. More poignantly, he noted that, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. The light bulb solved an extremely important problem, namely, providing us with illumination at any time to perform functions that previously required daylight. But that solution was only a tiny tip of a monumental iceberg. Pushing the idea of the light bulb led to otherwise unforeseen frontiers including movies, televisions, computers, copy machines, fiber optics, medicinal procedures, tanning beds, and even heat sources at buffets. Before the invention of the light bulb, people could not imagine the incredibly rich and varied developments that would stem from it. But in fact, every idea, though it may seem to solve just one isolated problem, is only the tiny tip of its own monumental iceberg. I begin with an idea, and then it becomes something else. Pablo Picasso Dial M for more. Think of the number of steps of improvement that started with Alexander Graham Bell's telephone. You've seen old movies in which the single rotary telephone in a large mansion sat at a table in the entryway. Later, telephone extensions allowed phones to be placed in different rooms, then touch-tone phones, then cordless phones, then large brick-like cellular phones, then pocket-sized cell phones with cameras, then smartphones with internet access and video. And surely, no one believes that the iPhone is the end of the line. Each of these steps required thinking of the current pinnacle of development of an idea and asking, how could that current solution be refined to solve the problem it solved even better? It is not only technological ideas that are developed and modified. Look at artistic developments, or philosophical, or societal, or religious ideas. You might argue that in those realms, new developments may not always be improvements. However, you must agree that evolving ideas have transformed all these areas. No religion today would imprison Galileo, 
as the Catholic Church did in 1633, for asserting that the earth moves around the sun. The artistic variety of today could not have been dreamed of centuries ago. Movies, literature, and cultural expression all develop by taking the best of one generation and going beyond in the next. A weed is a plant whose virtue has not yet been discovered. Ralph Waldo Emerson A way to provoke effective thinking. Extend ideas. Take a good idea from any arena, work, society, or personal life. It need not be an idea you yourself originated. Now take that idea and extend it. The key is not to wonder if the idea has extensions. It does. Your challenge is to find them. Illustration. Going once, going twice, sold. In 1995, Pierre Omidyar was considering the effectiveness of auctions and how well they have worked for centuries. He wondered how he could extend that method of sales to include millions of bidders. He turned to the Internet and voila, eBay was born. The best can get even better. Just as our own understanding can be deeper and richer than it currently is, no matter where it is, an important perspective of successful thinking is that the best can be improved. In fact, starting with what is currently the best is often the best place to expect great improvements. We limit ourselves when we think that success is an end. Sometimes, getting to the current highest level of perfection was so difficult, or was so satisfying, that we can't imagine further heights. Often the solution to a difficult problem comes from a struggled focus on the issue. Having been in the trenches working on that issue, it is natural to feel like a climber reaching the summit after arduous toil. You have arrived. You feel that you are just barely standing on a precarious perch, and your memories are filled with the details and the triumphs of the climb. But a newcomer, who has that summit as his or her initial position, has a different vantage point. The newcomer did not experience the toil, did not live through the trials and failures and arduous small steps. The young person or person new to the field sees that issue in its solved condition, as just the way the world is. Babies born today enter our world with computers, the Internet, smartphones, text messaging, jet planes, and hundreds of cable TV channels. Children who learn about the olden days when phones were attached to walls by wires are learning about a foreign, quaint, antiquated world. Children or newcomers start where we are now and, without the burden or bias of history, proceed forward. So one of the challenges for us all is to see the current world for what it is now, with fresh eyes. Knowing the history is certainly helpful, but not if we tend to see current solutions as summits. We must get in the habit of seeing each advance as putting us on the lower slope of a much higher peak that is yet to be scaled. Ransom Olds, the father of the Oldsmobile, could not produce his horseless carriages fast enough. In 1901, he had an idea to speed up the manufacturing process. Instead of building one car at a time, he created the assembly line. The acceleration in production was unheard of. From an output of 425 automobiles in 1901 to an impressive 2,500 cars the following year. While other competitors were in awe of this incredible volume, Henry Ford dared to ask, can we do even better? He was, in fact, able to improve upon Olds's clever idea by introducing conveyor belts to the assembly line. As a result, Ford's production went through the sun roof. Instead of taking one and a half days to manufacture a Model T, as in the past, he was now able to spit them out at a rate of one car every 90 minutes. 
the moral of the story is that good progress is often the herald of great progress. The same is true of learning new and increasingly difficult concepts or mastering skills at increasingly higher levels. You may have to struggle to finally master an idea or a skill. Having toiled to get that far, you may think that it would be impossible to go yet farther, or you may just feel worn out. But after you have reached one level, that is where you start. That is the platform from which you can proceed even farther, whether that starting point is a high grade, a professional accomplishment, or a profound insight. Go for it. A way to provoke effective thinking. Once you have it, see if you can improve it. Take an essay you've written or a solution to an issue and create a different, better one. Assume there is a mistake or omission or missed opportunity in your work. There always is. Now find it, yet another example of the insights to be gained by failing. This activity is much more challenging than it might first appear. We are biased and limited by what we already know, especially since we know it works. However, moving beyond that bias can lead to new answers that, in turn, can lead to new insights and more effective solutions. People who make this evolutionary iteration a standard practice are far more successful in their education and in life than those who see an answer as an end. Illustration A Better Shanice Shanice decided to apply this exercise to herself. She considered her best features in life and wondered how to make them far better still. She plays the cello, and her sight reading is amazing, so she considered improving that skill. She knits beautiful scarves using complicated lace patterns, so she considered improving that talent. She finally decided to focus on her passion for rugby. While her passing abilities are some of the best on her team, she committed herself to improve her passing and to reach a new level of excellence. Working on her strengths can have unexpected payoffs, including, paradoxically, improving her weaknesses. In this case, she improved her communication skills both on and off the field. Working on strengths is a feature of successful thinking, and learning that takes everyone, including Shanice, to new heights. Making it practical. Human beings do not instantly see far. Our field of intellectual vision is limited to a few steps from where we are now. We must acknowledge that however far we do see, is merely the horizon beyond which a far bigger world will become visible. How can we start the process of exploring where new ideas can lead us? Ask, what's next? Explore the connective. If this, then that. Follow the hypothetical results of the idea. And when you have arrived at the next step, let it settle as the new reality, and only then think, what now? By doing so, you will move from thinking of a subject as a student to thinking about the issues as a practitioner. You will be thinking in a different way, which, of course, is the entire point. Of course, not every sequence of consequences that we imagine will actually come to pass or lead to fertile new ground, but exploring those consequences several steps forward can have great value. Following that flow can highlight some fallacies in seemingly sound schemes. For example, suppose you wanted to improve air travel by making it safer. Following the possible consequences of improved airline safety may lead to a surprising conclusion. Improved airline safety could actually result in more total deaths, because if the increased safety leads to higher costs for flying, then more people might be forced to drive, which is a far more fatal way to travel. To envision the future, look back and put yourself in the mindset of the past. For example, 
Think about how difficult it would be to envision the Internet 30 years ago. Ask yourself, what will be the corresponding object or idea of tomorrow that would be viewed as unimaginable today as the World Wide Web was in 1980? For example, we can imagine Google Glasses that will bring the Internet to your eyewear, in which the interface is accomplished by thoughts alone. You may think this vision is impossible, but consider how impossible smartphones, without cords, would have seemed in the 1970s. It was the science fiction of its time. Think one step back to imagine one step forward. Nothing is easier than seeing the ridiculous biases of the past or the ridiculous biases that other people hold. But nothing is harder than seeing the ridiculous biases that we accept ourselves. By extrapolating the flow of future ideas, we can identify invisible problems today. A way to provoke effective thinking. Ask, what were they thinking? What beliefs, cultural habits, opinions, or actions are completely accepted today that will be viewed as ridiculous by our grandchildren? What are some possible candidates? Centuries ago, perfectly respectable people viewed slavery as a natural and moral practice. What practices that are viewed as fine today will be viewed as offensive in the future? Illustration. The Permanent F. Today, it is unacceptable to tell racial or ethnic jokes. These jokes are considered demeaning and reflective of prejudice. We are now sensitive to groups that might be insulted or viewed as inferior in some way. This view is obvious to most cultured individuals. Now let's consider our current educational system. Every semester at every school in the country, significant fractions of the students are told that they are inferior through their report cards. They are individually singled out and told, you are not smart enough, you are not industrious enough, you are inadequate, you are inferior. As a cultural norm, we are careful not to hurt the feelings of people with slurs on their ethnic backgrounds or religious practices, yet we consider it perfectly acceptable to tell people explicitly, through their failing grades, that they are inferior. There are alternatives. Perhaps in the future, failing grades would not be recorded at all. Only the knowledge and skills that a student actually mastered would make it onto his or her transcript. Does it make sense to record on the student's permanent record the fact that he or she did not succeed in Bio 101 in a particular semester? Perhaps in the future, we will not punish students for not getting it the first time. You might disagree that reporting a student's bad grade is an immoral act, and we, the authors, are not suggesting that this practice will necessarily be viewed any differently later. But any example of a practice that is accepted today, but will be viewed as immoral in the future, must be a custom that we now view as perfectly fine. Only in the future will that cultural norm be viewed from a different angle and deemed unacceptable. The moral here is that we all hold biases, and viewing our culture's attitudes as evolving perspectives can help us uncover those biases. Some of our strongly held beliefs are based on plausible notions that we either read or heard, but many of our most firmly held convictions are not based on concrete, verifiable fact or proof. It is impossible to avoid bias. It infuses itself through our upbringing, our values, our society, and our community. The first real action item for all of us is to acknowledge, unabashedly, that we are all prejudiced. This self-conscious understanding of underlying bias is an important step to begin to move forward. 3. Final Thoughts under construction is the norm. Many people believe that the ideal state of the world is one in which everything is finished and perfect. In fact, a little arithmetic shows that that perspective is simply wrong. For example, 
New York City is the home of approximately 200 skyscrapers. A building lasts perhaps 40 years before it needs a major renovation or replacement. It requires perhaps four years with construction crews conspicuously present to renovate a skyscraper. So that means that on average five, 200 divided by 40, skyscrapers per year will start a major overhaul. So possibly 20, four times five, skyscrapers on average are under major construction each year in New York City, adding to the chaos and commotion for which the city is famous. The more realistic and healthier attitude for existence is one in which construction is always underway. Everything is a work in progress. By analogy, your life has many major features: family, friends, education, professional situations, possessions, and more. Each of these elements is in flux, so you should not expect the normal state of affairs to be one in which everything is finished, perfect, and performing well. In reality, the normal state is one in which some features of life and learning are problematic and need attention. Acknowledge that reality and try to identify opportunities for improvement and growth. Expect and embrace change, and use the reality and perspective of the flow of ideas to help you both to understand the world and to create new worlds to come. The right dream. You may dream of creating that one new idea that will solve lots of problems. And lead to fame and fortune, but the better dream is to see yourself standing on what seems to be the summit and climbing higher by taking one small step after another. That modest habit of effective thinking will help you accomplish things you never dreamed possible. The quintessential element: five, engaging change, transform yourself. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverge in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. From the road not taken by Robert Frost. The fifth element of effective learning and thinking is the simplest and most difficult, the most important and most dispensable. If this chapter doesn't resonate with you, just skip it. In some sense. The four preceding elements of effective thinking and learning paint the entire picture. Each of the preceding four techniques has the goal of changing you into someone who thinks and learns better. In ancient Greek philosophy, the quintessential element was the unchanging material from which the extraterrestrial realm was made. Here, the unchanging fifth element is, ironically, change itself. Change is really the goal of the whole story. Through our experience with hundreds of thousands of students, teachers. Business leaders and lifelong learners, we know that if you follow the lessons in this book, you will learn and understand at a deeper level. You will think of creative ideas, and you will be successful throughout life. The quintessential element is really about the "if you follow the lessons" part of the previous sentence. This chapter is about what is involved in transforming yourself into a more effective learner and thinker. An ancient Zen dictum states that. The reason happiness is so hard is because it's so easy. Although we don't claim to exactly understand that statement, it does convey an impression that seems apt here. In one sense, there is nothing difficult about adopting effective strategies of learning and thinking. You simply need to shrug off perhaps a lifetime's habit of accepting a relatively superficial level of understanding, and start understanding more deeply. You simply need to let go of the constraining forces in your life and let yourself fail on the road to success. You simply need to question all the issues you have taken for granted all those years. 
You simply need to see every aspect of your world as an ever-evolving stream of insights and ideas. You simply need to change. Of course, in reality, change seems hard, not simple. However, like the way to happiness, the path to change is not through greater willpower and harder work, but rather through thinking differently. The first four elements of effective thinking do the heavy lifting. They invite you to understand fundamental ideas, to look for essential elements, and to extend what you already know. They suggest pointed questions for you to pose to yourself and others that cause you to think of new ideas, and they point out the value of failure and errors on the road to success. Those four elements are like a diet book that correctly states if you eat this and that and don't eat these things and you exercise in this way, then you will lose weight. But often the real problem is following the instructions. This quintessential element speaks to the challenge of becoming a person who embraces the lessons. The fifth element is a meta-lesson. It recommends that you adopt the habit of constructive change. Don't be afraid to change any part of yourself. You'll still be there, only better. Our colleague, Bill Guy, told us a story about an administrator who wanted to change a school. One year, the head of the school decided to try to improve the instruction by having experts on teaching talk to the faculty members every month. After six months, the head of the school noticed that one of the teachers was not attending the sessions. So he called him in and asked, Why haven't you been attending the required seminars on how to teach better? To which the teacher replied, There's no need for me to attend. I already know how to teach better than I do. The first four elements enable you to think better than you do, learn better than you do, and be more creative than you are. The fifth element recommends that you actually do it. Just do it. Adopt the habit of improvement, whether using our four elements or any other methods that you find. If the ability to change is part of who you are, then you are liberated from worry about weaknesses or defects because you can adapt and improve whenever you like. Definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. And now for something completely different. Grab a piece of paper and a pencil. Close your eyes tightly and write the sentence, I am writing as neatly as I can and any mistake I make is unintentional. Now open your eyes and look at what you've written. It's not perfect. Now repeat the exercise, but this time with your eyes open. Your result will, hopefully, be much better. Writing with your eyes open is a different and easier task than writing with your eyes closed. There is a subtle perspective about improvement and about better performance that can alter how you approach the task of changing yourself. Namely, people who perform better can be viewed as actually doing a different task rather than doing the same task better. If you play tennis, go to a court and have someone hit you a tennis ball. First, close your eyes and hit it back. Next, have them hit you a ball and watch it intently while you swing until it hits your racket. In both cases, you're trying to hit the tennis ball, but hitting it with your eyes open is a different task from hitting it with your eyes closed. When great players play tennis, they watch the ball better than a beginner. They are doing the easier task of hitting the ball while watching it, rather than the more difficult task of hitting the ball by estimating its future location based solely on where it was at the moment it flew over the net. When plug-and-chug physics students apply formulas with no sense of what they mean or why they are true, those students are doing a difficult task, doing physics with their eyes closed. Students who understand the ideas behind the formulas are doing a different task. They are working with their eyes open.
the better students are doing an easier task. Understanding the meaning and reasoning behind the formulas sometimes strikes students as an unnecessary and diverting step. In reality, understanding leads directly to easier future work and better results. When average students of history sit down to study for a test on the Second World War, they may be faced with memorizing facts, such as lists of countries that were allied with each other. The country names may be just words. The groupings may seem arbitrary. But if those students learned what led to that moment, if they saw the maps, if they understood the transportation and communication methods of the time, if they saw that moment as part of a larger story of the flow of human relationships that started before then and continued afterward, then that moment of conflict would make far more sense. You may believe that such a recommendation is ridiculous because it means memorizing far more historical facts rather than the original smaller lists of historical events of World War II. However, our point is that learning the flow of history, or any subject, makes each part far more stable and meaningful. Ironically, memorizing a smaller number of isolated facts is harder. Suppose you had to memorize the following list of words. Horse, order, because, easy, in, we, before, sentence, a, did, logical, is. Wouldn't it be easier and faster to memorize the following longer list of words? This sentence is easy to remember because the words appear in a logical order. That is, we did not put the cart before the horse. The answer is yes, because the surrounding context gives meaning to the otherwise meaningless, discrete words. People who are more successful at anything are performing their task with their eyes open. That is, they are doing something different from others who do not perform at the same level. Often, the distinction between the skilled practitioner and the less skilled practitioner is described by saying that the skilled person is better at the task. But a more useful and accurate perspective is that the skilled practitioner is doing a fundamentally different task, one that you could master as well. In a chronically leaking boat, energy devoted to changing vessels is more productive than energy devoted to patching leaks. Warren Buffett To become more skilled and successful, you might think in terms of altering what you do, rather than thinking in terms of how well you do it. Instead of thinking, do it better, think, do it differently. If you want to learn a subject, instead of memorizing rules and facts, concentrate on truly understanding the fundamentals deeply. If you want to think of new ideas, don't sit and wait for inspiration. Instead, apply strategies of transformative thinking, such as making mistakes, asking questions, and following the flow of ideas. A way to provoke effective thinking. Expert change. If you're learning something, solving a problem, or developing a skill, imagine in detail what a more skilled practitioner does, or what added knowledge, understanding, and previous experience the expert would bring to the task. In other words, describe the different task that an expert would be doing, compared to what you are currently doing in undertaking your task. Instead of thinking that you are going to be doing something that is harder, requiring more concentration and more effort. Think in terms of what kind of knowledge or skill or strategy would make the task an easier one. Illustration, the pianist. Imagine practicing a piano piece. An expert memorizes the music and thus can look at the keyboard while performing those long jumps. 
That may be an easier task than reading the music while attempting to strike the correct keys. At a more subtle level, the accomplished musician understands the chord structure and hears each voice of the music, so the expert is doing something different from the person who is merely remembering what keys to press. The dumb student. Everyone is different. Some people are born with bodies that are bigger or smaller, more muscular or more flexible. Not every person is capable of being a world champion marathon runner, no matter what effort he or she might expend on that goal. And not every person is capable of becoming the world's greatest theoretical physicist. But what is most impressive is the distance between what people could potentially achieve and what they do actually achieve. Remember Mary? She was the student who thought she couldn't do math, but by making mistakes and facing questions that allowed her to follow where those errors led, she was able to think of a creative and original answer to a challenging question about infinity. The point of her story is that vast potential lurks in us all. Using techniques of thinking that can be practiced and mastered, Mary succeeded wildly, and so can you. Are there limits to how far a given individual can go? Yes. But those boundaries are far, far beyond what people generally accept as their own limits. We could claim that every person is equally capable of everything, and while it might sell books, it is not reality. However, the reality is that you personally can learn far more and be far more creative and successful than you are today. You can do it. For effective thinking, differences in native ability are dwarfed by habits and methods. Those individuals who may appear to be the brightest in the sense of catching on to things immediately and being able to deal with complexity without getting confused are rarely the most productive, imaginative, or effective. Some very bright people can keep amazingly complicated things straight, but they may fail to try new perspectives and new ideas. You might want to describe these people as unimaginative, but as you have seen in this book, being imaginative is not an inborn quality. Coming up with new ideas requires the habit of employing thinking techniques that generate new ideas. Being imaginative is a learnable skill, not an inborn characteristic like having blue eyes. The secret to solving problems and coming up with new ideas is not to find different parents, but to use different strategies of transformative thinking. Hours 1 through 9,999 You have probably heard of the 10,000-hour rule, which observes that it seems to require 10,000 hours of practice for a person to become world-class at anything from art to music to sports to zoology. This audiobook is about what to do during hours 1 through 9,999. The magic of the 10,000-hour rule does not happen at the 10,000th hour. The magic is an accumulated flow of incremental progress in which the journey forward comes from deeper understanding, making mistakes and learning from them, asking questions, and seeing the evolution of ideas. All mastery is actually a continuum. Einstein moves on. In 1979, the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey, held the Einstein Centennial Symposium in honor of the 100th anniversary of Albert Einstein's birth. One of the speakers told a story about being a young assistant to Albert Einstein. He said that during the job interview with Einstein, he admitted that he did not know much about relativity, to which Einstein replied, That's okay. I already know about relativity. The speaker's descriptions of working with Einstein were colorful and amusing, but one incident was especially pertinent to transformative thinking. Einstein was a genius. 
but the speaker described an incident that may illuminate Einstein's success in a way that other descriptions of his brilliance do not. Einstein and his assistant had been working for months on a particular problem. Einstein had a strategy in mind for solving the problem and persistently tried to attack it. One day, his assistant received a letter that contained the work of some other physicists who had shown that the approach that Einstein was taking could not work. The assistant had to deliver the bad news to Einstein. He explained to Einstein the reason that the approach could not work, knowing that many months of hard effort had been wasted on a futile pursuit. Einstein listened with an open mind and understood the reasoning. The very next day, Einstein had taken a totally different tack on the issue that exposed a new perspective and completely solved the problem. Einstein was brilliant, but he was also willing to change in the face of compelling evidence. Messing Things Up Often the most profound advances you can make in your life come through experiences that challenge the life you have. The image of building a life from solid success to solid success is a wonderful dream, but it is only a fantasy. Instead, you must let old ideas crumble in the face of challenges in order to rebuild yet better structures. Don't mute voices that challenge your beliefs. Listen for whispers of doubt and turn those doubts into helpful and positive tests of assumptions, ideas, and theories. Doubts are strengths when you use them effectively. Our political theatrics in debates and on cable news programs promote an unproductive attitude that doubt is a sign of weakness, when in reality doubt is a sign of strength. In watching political pundits yell at each other on TV, never once have we heard one respond to the other with, that's a better idea, I'm going to change my mind. The unchangeable mind is a closed mind. The result in politics is a calcified lack of innovation and flexibility, gridlock. Doubt can be unsettling, but it does not have to be. You can turn doubt into a comfortable and insightful guide along the road to true change. If you are open to new ideas and you allow yourself to follow your changing opinions and passions, they will lead you in directions you did not originally expect to go. In college, huge numbers of students believe they should be pre-med or pre-law, but only because they are not aware of alternatives. No matter what your stage in life, you are going to develop strengths you do not yet have, and when you do, opportunities will open to you that you have not yet dreamed of. Holiday at Big Lake R. L. Moore was one of the most famous mathematics teachers in the mid-20th century. He conducted his classics in a very peculiar but effective way. He never lectured. Instead, he posed questions and his students were required to answer them independently without any outside help. Entirely on their own, they were required to discover answers to these difficult questions. In class, Professor Moore started with the student he considered the least able and asked, Mr. Blank, can you answer the next question? If that student could not answer the question, Professor Moore asked the same question to the next weakest student, and so on, until he found a student who claimed to be able to answer the question. That student would go to the blackboard and present his or her solution. If the other students found no flaw in the answer, then Professor Moore would simply move on to the next question. Sam Y. was a student in a mathematics course taught by R. L. Moore and found himself as having the dubious distinction of being considered the weakest student in the class. He had never answered a question correctly during the entire fall semester. At that time, the first semester did not end until several weeks after the winter break. During that winter vacation, Sam went with his parents to Big Lake, Texas. His only chance to pass this class was to somehow find a way to answer some of those difficult questions.
he isolated himself in his room and thought. He returned to the first questions of the semester. By looking back at the beginning of the term, the work began to make sense. He saw why the first theorems were true. He built up from the ground floor and question by question solidly constructed answers for himself that taught him the material in a deep and meaningful way. He eventually found himself tackling the questions that had not yet been discussed in class. On the first day back from vacation, Professor Moore turned, as always, to Sam and asked, Mr. Y, can you solve question 35? With a feeling of pride, Sam replied, Yes, sir, I can. And he could. To the surprise of the other students in the class, he presented his correct solution to question 35. Professor Moore, however, was not surprised. He had deliberately given his students the challenges that encouraged them to personally find out how to become a quintessential student, how to understand ideas deeply, how to question, how to fail on the road to success, and how to see the flow of ideas. When Sam sat down, Professor Moore asked, Mr. Y, can you solve question 36? Yes, sir, I can, was his answer. For the remaining two weeks of the term, Sam Y presented his correct solutions to all the remaining questions. At Big Lake, Mr. Y had become a quintessential student. He went on to earn a Ph.D. in mathematics, and Dr. Y had a long and successful career as a professor of mathematics at a major university. Not every teacher establishes a classroom environment in which student success directly corresponds to becoming an effective learner and innovator. But regardless of any teacher's skills, students can focus on the goal of developing the lifelong habits that will change them forever. Final Thoughts Becoming the Quintessential You The story of our dear friend Lee provides a final illustration of the transformative effect of real change. Lee decided she wanted to get in better shape. Instead of the quick but ineffective fix of some miracle fad diet, Lee made a slight change in how she viewed herself and how she behaved. She began to eat healthful foods and to climb the stairs instead of riding the elevator. Lee became a different person. Consequently, 14 months later she had lost a total of 80 pounds and today remains fit and healthy. She does not spend her life fighting herself to behave differently from how she would prefer to eat and act. Instead, she now is a person for whom healthful eating and appropriate exercise are natural, easy parts of everyday life. Her strong physical condition is an inevitable consequence of the habits she adopted. Moreover, any able-bodied individual who embraces those same habits will become just as fit. Similarly, if you adopt the elements of thinking suggested in this audiobook and make those habits part of who you are, you will develop mental strength and capacity, and you will become a more effective and creative thinker. Moreover, applying these elements to yourself leads you to clarify the core of your own self-definition, including your values, morals, ethics, and beliefs. When the American Founding Fathers imagined a democracy that would reflect the will of the people, the people they envisioned were thoughtful, independent-thinking citizens who would understand the issues of their day and would turn their own clear wisdom to making sound decisions for the benefit of society. Surely more than ever, the world needs thoughtful voices, voices that can ignore the bombast and heat of shallow excitement and focus instead on thinking calmly and sensibly about long-term goals and consequences. These elements of effective thinking will help you to become a quintessential citizen of the world, contributing personally and professionally, locally and globally.
whether in school or out, whether young or old, you can choose to be a person who sees boundless opportunities, who enjoys the lifelong process of personal growth and discovery, and who meets challenges and obstacles with innovation and imagination. Strive for rock-solid understanding, earth. Fail and learn from those missteps, fire. Constantly create and ask challenging questions, air. Consciously consider the flow of ideas, water. And of course, remember that learning is a lifelong journey. Thus, each of us remains a work in progress, always evolving, ever-changing. And that's quintessential living. Summary 6. A Way to Provoke Effective Thinking A Brief Review Earth 1. Grounding Your Thinking Understand Deeply 1. Understand Simple Things Deeply 2. Clear the clutter, seek the essential. 3. See what's there. 4. See what's missing. Master the basis. Consider a skill you want to improve or a subject area that you wish to understand better. Spend 5 minutes writing down specific components of the skill or subject area that are basic to that theme. Pick one of the items on your list and spend 30 minutes actively improving your mastery of it. See how working deeply on the basics makes it possible for you to hone your skill or deepen your knowledge at the higher levels you are trying to attain. Apply this exercise at all scales to other things you think you know or would like to know. Ask, what do you know? Do you or don't you truly know the basics? Consider a subject you think you know or a subject you are trying to master. Open up a blank document on your computer. Without referring to any outside sources, write a detailed outline of the fundamentals of the subject. Can you write a coherent, accurate, and comprehensive description of the foundations of the subject? Or does your knowledge have gaps? Do you struggle to think of core examples? Do you fail to see the overall big picture that puts the pieces together? When you discover weaknesses in your own understanding of the basics, take action. Methodically, slowly, and thoroughly learn the fundamentals. Repeat this exercise regularly as you learn more advanced aspects of the subject. Every return to the basics will deepen your understanding of the entire subject. Sweat the small stuff. Consider some complex issue in your studies or life. Instead of tackling it in its entirety, find one small element of it and solve that part completely. Understand the sub-issue and its solution backwards and forwards. Understand all its connections and implications. Consider this small piece from many points of view and in great detail. Choose the sub-problem to be sufficiently small that it is possible to give it this level of attention. Only later should you consider how your efforts could help solve the larger issue. Uncover one essential. Consider a subject you wish to understand and clear the clutter until you have isolated one essential ingredient. Each complicated issue has several possible core ideas. You are not seeking the essential idea. You are seeking just one. Consider a subject and pare it down to one essential theme. In fact, you might perform this exercise on yourself. What do you view as essential elements of you? Isolating those elements can give a great deal of focus to life decisions. Say it like you see it. Homework assignments, tests, and job-related assessments ask you what you know. Unfortunately, partial credit or social pressure often encourages you to pretend to know a bit more than you actually do. So in the privacy of your own room, look at assignments or possible test questions and write down the weaknesses as well as the strengths of what you know and don't know. Deliberately avoid glossing over any gaps or vagueness. Instead, 
boldly assert what is tepid or missing in your understanding. Then, take action. Identifying and admitting your own uncertainties is an enormous step towards solid understanding. Try on alternatives and size up the fit. Temporarily embrace some opinion that is counter to what you hold. Try not to be judgmental. Don't resist the alternative views. You are not committing to any change. This exercise has the goal of understanding alternatives more realistically. As a result, you might change an opinion, but more likely you will simply have a better understanding of why the alternative views make sense to others. See the invisible. Select your own object, issue, or topic of study, and attach an adjective or descriptive phrase, such as the first for the World War, that points out some reality of the situation, ideally some feature that is limiting or taken for granted. Then consider whether your phrase suggests new possibilities or opportunities. This exercise helps you to create interesting and provocative insights. Fire. 2. Igniting insights through mistakes. Fail to succeed. 1. Welcome accidental missteps. Let your errors be your guide. 2. Finding the right question to the wrong answer. 3. Failing by intent. Fail nine times. The next time you face a daunting challenge, think to yourself, in order for me to resolve this issue, I will have to fail nine times, but on the tenth attempt, I will be successful. This attitude frees you and allows you to think creatively without fear of failure, because you understand that failure is a forward step toward success. Take a risk, and when you fail, no longer think, oh no, what a frustrating waste of time and effort, but instead correctly think, great, one down, nine to go, I'm making forward progress. And indeed you are. After your first failure, think, terrific, I'm 10% done. Mistakes, loss, and failure are all flashing lights clearly pointing the way to deeper understanding and creative solutions. Don't stare at a blank screen. Take an issue or problem of interest to you. Just quickly jot down any ideas, good, bad, inaccurate, or vague, that you have about the issue. Your ideas will be very bad in many ways. They will be disorganized and jumbled. They will be inaccurate or simply wrong. They'll be impractical. They will be boring. They won't come close to resolving the issue. They won't be creative. Congratulations. Excellent start. Now read what you wrote and focus on two features, what's right and what's wrong. Now you have something to do. Tease out the good elements. Find particularly nice phrases or pieces of strong ideas. Uncover a word that is suggestive of some unstated interesting notion. Find that you have clarified for yourself the core of the idea that you want to express. The second task is to recognize and exploit what's wrong and correct the errors you see. You are now doing something different. You are not creating a work on a blank canvas, but instead you are responding to a work already there. In making this action item practical, it is important to give enough time for the required iterations. Have a bad day. Bad days happen to good people. What separates the good from the great is how we react to that bad day. Bad days often include uncomfortably clear lessons about how to grow, learn, or reassess. So the next time you're having a bad day, make the conscious effort to find and extract positive lessons from those not-so-positive experiences. Exaggerate to generate errors. Consider an issue or problem and now exaggerate some feature of it to a ridiculous extreme. If you are arguing one side of an issue, support the side you truly believe then make the argument so exaggerated that you realize that it's way over the top. Now study your exaggerated description and discover some underlying defect. Does that defect also apply to a non-exaggerated perspective? 
like a stress test, you might well apply this exercise to something that works well and learn how it breaks down. The strategy of exaggeration to extremes can be applied to any issue, from writing to marketing to product development to politics. For example, large companies hire hackers to attempt to break into their computer systems to expose security weakness. Air. Three, creating questions out of thin air. Be your own Socrates. One, how answers can lead to questions. Two, creating questions enlivens your curiosity. Three, what's the real question? Teach to learn. There is no better way to learn anything than to actually teach it, because to teach something you have to confront many fundamental questions. What is the motivation to learn this topic? What are the basic examples? On what aspects of this material should I focus? What are the underlying themes? What ties the ideas together? What is the global structure? What are the important details? These questions force you to discover the heart of the matter and see exactly what you truly understand and what you still need to work on. So consider an idea or topic you are trying to better understand, and ask yourself what you would say if you had to start right now to give a complete explanation. Including motivation, examples, overview, and details of that subject. Even better, prepare a mini lecture and then deliver it to someone—family, friends, or even your teacher. Improve the question. From the student's point of view, the question "How can I get better grades?" is not the most effective question to lead to a higher GPA. Questions such as "How can I learn to think better and understand more deeply?" "How can I learn to communicate better?" How can I increase my curiosity? Are far more constructive questions. For each question that presents itself in life, craft more focused questions that might lead to a productive conclusion. Try to create questions that expose hidden assumptions, clarify issues, and lead to action. Question your own questions. Ask meta questions. Whether in the classroom, the boardroom, or the living room, asking questions about an assignment or project before beginning work in earnest. Will always lead to a stronger final product. Ask, "What's the goal of this task?" and "What benefit flows from the task?" Keep that benefit in mind as you move forward. A byproduct of this exercise is that it often saves time because it focuses your attention on the core issues and allows you to quickly clear up the initial confusion that always is present at the start of any project or task. Water. Four. Seeing the flow of ideas. Look back. Look forward. One, understanding current ideas through the flow of ideas. Two, creating new ideas from old ones. Iterate ideas. You don't need an army of thousands of individuals to struggle to make sense of a challenge at hand. The only person that needs to move forward little by little is you. Take a homework assignment, paper, or project that you're facing and quickly just do it. That is, tackle the questions, draft the paper. Or move forward on the project at a fast forward speed that will surely generate a work that is, at best, subpar. Now consider that poor effort as your starting point, and react to that work and start to improve and iterate. The flow of iteration will lead to a refined final product. Notice how this flowing mindset perfectly coincides with the elements of failure we introduced earlier. Think back. Whenever you face an issue. Whether an area of study or a decision about a future path, consider what came before. Wonder how the issue at hand landed in front of you. Ask where and what it was yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, etc. Everything and everyone evolves. 
Acknowledging that reality as well as considering the subject's history will allow you to generate new insights as well as create sensitive directions in which to move forward. Extend ideas. Take a good idea from any arena, work, society, or personal life. It need not be an idea you yourself originated. Now take that idea and extend it. The key is not to wonder if the idea has extensions. It does. Your challenge is to find them. Once you have it, see if you can improve it. Take a solution to an issue or an essay you've written and create a different, better one. Assume there is a mistake or omission or missed opportunity in your work. There always is. Now find it, yet another example of the power of failing. This activity is much more challenging than it might first appear. We are biased and limited by what we already know, especially since we know it works. However, moving beyond that bias can lead to new answers that, in turn, can lead to new insights and more effective solutions. Ask, what were they thinking? What beliefs, cultural habits, opinions, or actions are completely accepted today that will be viewed as ridiculous by our grandchildren? What are some possible candidates? Centuries ago, perfectly respectable people viewed slavery as a natural and moral practice. What practices that are viewed as fine today will be viewed as offensive in the future? The quintessential element. 5. Engaging change. Transform yourself. Expert change. If you're learning something, solving a problem, or developing a skill, imagine in detail what a more skilled practitioner does, or what added knowledge, understanding, and previous experience the expert would bring to the task. In other words, describe the different task that an expert would be doing compared to what you are currently doing in undertaking your task. Instead of thinking that you are going to be doing something that is harder, requiring more concentration and more effort, Think in terms of what kind of knowledge or skill or strategy would make the task an easier one. The Quintessential You The first four elements enable you to think better than you do, learn better than you do, and be more creative than you are. The fifth element recommends that you actually do it. Just do it. Adopt the habit of improvement, whether using our four elements or any other methods that you find. If you're learning something, working a problem, or developing a skill, imagine in detail what a more skilled practitioner does, or what added knowledge, understanding, and previous experience the expert would bring to the task. If the ability to change is part of who you are, then you are liberated from worry about weaknesses or defects, because you can adapt and improve whenever you like. Strive for rock-solid understanding, earth. Fail and learn from those missteps, fire. Constantly create and ask challenging questions. Air. Consciously consider the flow of ideas. Water. And of course, remember that learning is a lifelong journey. Thus, each of us remains a work in progress, always evolving, ever-changing, and that's quintessential living. This has been an Audible Inc. production of The Five Elements of Effective Thinking Written by Edward B. Berger, Ph.D., and Michael Starbird, Ph.D. Narrated by Brian Troxell. Producer, Mike Charzik. Copyright 2011-2012 by Edward B. Berger and Michael Starbird. Production copyright 